we need to talk. I spent the first half of last week uh, at a camp talking to young men who were thinking about being preachers. And I was asked to come there. They had different speakers and different teachers. And my task was to talk to them about how to write a sermon and how to use uh, your eyes and your ears to find the needs of the church and to give that back to them in the form of a sermon. And I said, if you look around long enough and if you listen hard enough, you, won't, you will never have to say, oh no, Sunday's coming, I have no idea what to preach, because the members will be giving you sermons. They will be throwing them at you whether they realize it or not, and all you have to do is just take what they give you and filter it through the Word of God and just give it right back to them. And I made the point in that one of our classes, I think it was Tuesday, I just stopped and I said, you know, it really is the greatest job in the world. People pay me to get up on stage and spend 30 or so minutes just talking about how great God is, how wonderful heaven will be, how wonderful it is to be a Christian, and how we all can do it if we just work together and we have the grace of Christ getting us through. And I get paid to just do that. It's the amazing job. And then I had to stop and say, but it's not always amazing. And we read 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. And if by way of introduction you want to turn there and look there, you can. If you recall last week, before we had the final prayer, I read it to you then. 2 Timothy 4, Paul is writing the apostle to the young preacher, Timothy. And he tells him to preach the word. Preach it constantly. Preach it whether it is popular or unpopular. The old Bible says in season or out of season. In other words, there will be times when you'll preach the message and they'll rush to give you a pat on the back. And that's great. And there will be times when you preach the message and they will rush to the opposite door from where you're standing on Sunday morning because they won't want to talk to you. And that's not so great, but it still needs to be done. Preach it whether it's in season or out of season. And as you preach it, preach it in one of three ways. The old Bible says reprove, rebuke, and exhort. One of those three is positive, exhort. I gave you some exhortation last week. We had a VBS that was record-breaking. It shattered our expectations numerically and encouragingly. And so everyone got a well-deserved pat on the back. Exhort. Build them up. Tell them, keep it up. Keep going. Keep doing it. Don't give up. Don't stop. You can do it. Another one of those words is rebuke. A word which sounds different from how it was originally meant. It, rebuke is the preacher stands on the stage or what have you and points at a thing that is bad. And he says, do you see this thing? Beware of this thing. This thing is bad. Shame on this thing. Let us not have this thing here anywhere near us. Stay away from this thing. It is the job of the preacher sometimes to give warning and to rebuke a thing. That's not a negative. Preaching is not two-thirds negative, one-third positive. Preaching is one-third positive, one-third warning, which is neutral, and it is one-third negative. That is reprove. That's not where you point at a thing. It's where sometimes you have to point at a person or persons, or a whole congregation, sometimes an eldership, sometimes he just puts a giant mirror on the stage and he points at himself, uh, actually he does that every week anyway, and you have to say shame not on the thing, but shame on you. There is a sin in this congregation. Now I say that and you're probably thinking, well of course none of us are perfect, we all make mistakes, things happen. I'm not talking about in general. I'm not talking 
broadly, universally, we can all think of something we're all struggling with. I mean, there is in particular an unrepented sin that is festering in this congregation. It has come to my attention. It has come to the elders' attention. It has perhaps come to some of your attention. Do you know what that sin is? Someone, at least someone, is guilty of it. Do you know who it is? Is it you? Do you know who it is that needs to be talked to? That needs to be not from a pulpit scolded. I'm not going to call any names here. But that needs to be gone to out of a sense of love for a soul and talked to. Do you know who it is? I know who it is. Would you like to know who it is? How about you meet me in the back after we say amen. We'll go to a private room and I'll tell you who it is. Would that be all right? No, that would be gossip. And that's what's happening here. Now, everybody has gossiped. If you haven't, you haven't yet. Because you're just four years old, maybe. But everybody has done this. I'm, this is not a sermon for an everybody has done this, so let's beware of gossip. That's, that's this. This is not this. This is first this, and now it's this. Because there are some things that have happened recently, and some people are talking about it. And by the power of God in His Word, I preach to you, shut up about it. Please, with all due respect that you're not giving the one about whom you're speaking, close your trap and stop the gossip. Gossip is such an easy sin to commit because it feels victimless. The whole point of gossip is you're talking about someone when they're not there and so you don't see the damage you're doing to them. So it feels victimless. It feels okay to say. And you don't appreciate the damage you're doing to somebody and you don't appreciate the damage you're doing to yourself. So let's take a few minutes to talk about gossip. And then you as you sit there, because I had to do this last week when I wrote the thing, as you sit there, think about, is it you that we're talking about? Is it you that I'm talking about? And if you don't like me being up here talking about you, gossiper, then stop gossiping about other people. Because I'm on the stage doing it. And you're doing it in the shadows. Let's talk about the gossiper. Let's talk about the callousness of the gossiper. And how unconcerned the gossiper is with the soul of the one about whom you are gossiping. How unbothered you are with the one who has done this wrong thing. Listen, if a person is innocent, you're not gossiping. You're spreading lies. If a person is guilty and you don't know whether or not they have repented of it, if they have or haven't, it doesn't matter. If they have done something wrong and now you're talking about it to someone else, that is gossip. And it shows that person when they find out, and they will, it shows the one to whom you're speaking, whether they realize it or not, and it shows the God who is listening and seeing that you don't care that that person has done wrong. You don't know if they've repented or not. I will give you the benefit of the doubt that you don't know. Because how much worse would it be if they have repented and you're still talking about them? We'll get to that at the end of the sermon. But if you don't know either way and you're still talking about them, what does that say about your concern for their soul? It says it is non-existent. That you are more interested in spreading what they've done than going to them to try to help them out of what they've done if they even need your help in the first place. Listen to what your Bible says. Starting with the wise Solomon, Proverbs 10, verse 19. In the, the old Bible says multitude of words in the constant flapping of gums. 
and the constant speaking of things, and the constant, constant chirping, chattering, talking, whispering, gossiping, there is no shortage of sin. The more you talk, the more likely you are to say something you should not. The more you talk, the more likely you are for someone to hear something they should not. And a bunch of sins come out of that. You want to avoid that? Zip that. He that refrains his lips is wise. Listen to the golden rule, so-called. Luke 6.31 As you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. How would you like to be talked about? If you have done something good, would you not like others to say it? If you have done something bad, do you not feel shame in it? Does shame not want you to stay quiet and to resolve it as quietly as possible? That's not cowardice. That's not duplicitousness. A sin should be confessed as widely as it is known. A sin should be dealt with as widely as it is done. If I am not involved in your sin, I don't need to know about your sin. How many sins, all of you I'm talking to, me first, how many sins have you committed that nobody has known about other than you and Christ? I don't know those sins. I don't need to know those sins. And certainly, my neighbors don't need to know those sins. That's between me and Christ. And if it's between me, Christ, and you, then it needs to stay between me, Christ, and you. And if it doesn't involve you, what are you even doing here talking about it? How would you want to be talked about? Not badly, so don't. Let's talk about the brazenness of the gossiper. Brazenness, the arrogance, the, the gall, the audacity to think that you have the right to spread someone else's dirt. Because I imagine you have enough of your own if you wanted you could spread. Oh no, I don't want people to know what I'm doing. Of course you don't. So what are you doing talking about someone else's? Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupt, keyword communication proceed out of your mouth. But rather, let come out of your mouth those things which are good for edifying, for the building up. Because that is grace. That is favor. That is a blessing. That is a gift. The words that we speak as Christians, the words that we speak about Christians, should be words that encourage Christians, should be words that build up Christians, should strengthen the foundation of a congregation of Christians. But if your words are corrupt, then you are taking that foundation and you're breaking it. You're fracturing it. You're cracking it. You're making it a foundation of sand and not a foundation of stone on which a congregation should be built. You're destroying that foundation and you're making it that much easier for the devil to come in and push that congregation down because you're crumbling the foundation of it with your corrupting words. Keep it quiet. It's not your business. 1 Thessalonians 4.11 My Bible says study to be quiet. That doesn't mean you've got to read it in a book somewhere. Though if you need a book to tell you to stop gossiping, I would recommend the Bible. But that's not what the word study means. The word study means give diligence. It means put forth effort. You have to work very hard. It's almost as if God knows that people like to flap their gums. It's almost as if God knows me that I like to talk when I should not talk and get my mouth into trouble, my mouth get me into trouble. And so it's as, as if God knows he has to tell Matthew, work at being quiet. It's not just going to happen. You're not just going to write on a sheet of paper, be quiet, put it under your pillow and just seep into your brain by osmosis. That's not how it works. You have to put in the effort. You have to learn trial and error, do better, get better, do better at being quiet, work to be quiet, and find other things to occupy your time. Mind your own business as you have been commanded to do. You're having a hard time being quiet. I get that. But you're not even working at it. So start that. Let's consider the hubris of the gossiper. The unbridled, unrestrained arrogance to think that you have no flaws yourself because you're too busy talking about other 
people's flaws. The unbridled arrogance to think that you, having no flaws, have so much free time on your hands that you can spend that time talking about what everybody else is doing instead of considering your own personal ship of state. Matthew 7, starting in verse 1, there in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's royal discourse, His famous address. Not all of it was positive. Some of it was warning, and some of it was scolding. Judge not that you be not judged. Oh, hey, I'm not judging. They did that thing. God will deal with it. I'm just telling other people about it. As you tell other people about it, you spread the bad thing that they've done to other ears who don't need to know it. That is a form of judgment. You put yourself in the shoes of the one with the gavel determining who has the right to hear it. That's a judgment call. Don't do that lest you be judged. Because whatever judgment that you render about someone else, that standard, that arbitrary, false standard that you have set for yourself about someone else will be applied to you, and you can't handle that. You will not live up, live up to that. You will not measure up to that. Whatever standard you put on someone else, I have the right to talk about that person's sin to someone else. Okay, prepare to have your sins talked about to someone else. Oh, hey, whoa, hey, Noah. With what judgment you judge, you will be judged. With what measure you meet, you will, it will be met to you. Or, you can maybe not consider and speculate and talk about and whisper about the speck that's in your brother's eye while blatantly ignoring the two-by-four that's sticking out of your face. Maybe you cannot do that because you have something wrong with you and you're worried about someone else whose problem to them is very big, but to you, it's just something worth talking about. It's something so small you can just share to other people. It's not small to them. You've got a two-by-four sticking out of your face. To them, it may be small, and they're not talking about it. Because they have the humility to know they have their own problems. Where's your humility? Jesus continues, you hypocrite. First take the beam out of your face. First take the two-by-four out of your eye so that you can, look at what he says, so that you can see how to help that person get the speck out of their eye. It's almost as if God assumes you have a good heart and a heart that wants to help somebody. But if the Lord sees you not trying to get the speck out of their eye, but rather just talking about the speck that they have to other people, do you think he's going to come to the conclusion this person loves that person? No, he is not. He's going to come to the conclusion that this person doesn't care about that person. He just wants to talk about that person. It is for the devil to be a whisperer. It is for the devil to hide in the shadows. It is for the devil to talk about other people's sins. It was for Christ to come and help people out of their sins. Are you a devilish person or a Christian person? Get the two-by-four out of your face so that you can see how to help somebody because you're not helping anybody just talking about everybody. 1 Timothy 5.13 The context is about the danger that comes when people are left without anything to do to occupy their time and they're wholly taken care of financially and so forth so they have nothing to do with their time and the danger of that is when they're young enough to exercise their mind and young enough to exercise their words then they will go flapping their lips and they will become tattlers and busybodies and meddlers into other people's affairs. And that ought not happen. It was happening there. It's happening here. In this, generally speaking, good, loving church. This is not a hypothetical sermon. This is happening here. It needs to stop happening here. Let's take a second and consider the destructiveness of the gossiper. Look at the trail of misery you're leaving in your wake. You're ruining reputations. 
Oh, that person, they did wrong though. He's ruined his own reputation. He ruined his reputation to himself and to the very immediate people who are aware of what he did and it should have stayed there so that he could resolve it. But instead, you have taken his bad thing that he's done and you have spread it to other people to hear who would never have thought anything less about that person, who would never need to think any less, anything less about them because we all have sin, and we all have sin, and we all make mistakes, and we're all working through it. But now you spread it to other people and they may never know, those other people, that this person is working it out, this person is resolving it. All they know now is that person is defined by how you've defined them as a sinner and not as a saint who sometimes sins. You have ruined that person's reputation to the eyes and ears of someone whose their reputation should be intact and sound. That's what gossip does. What else does it do? It takes away trust in you, gossiper. Because you might think you're just chatty Cathy's. You might think you're just a couple of guys just shooting the breeze. But once you start talking about someone else, you make it very apparent. You wave a flag for all to see if he's talking about her to me. He will talk about me to someone else. And they will no longer trust you with their secrets. They will no longer confide in you with their problems. They will no longer lean on you with their worries, their temptations, and their struggles. And then what even is this? This is no longer a congregation of people who love and want to help each other in that case. We're a people who need to isolate ourselves. We're people who need to, to hide from each other because we don't want to reveal to other people what might be going on with us because who knows who they'll tell. And now there is no trust in a congregation and the whole thing just crumbles. And now I hear that you're talking about me. Now she hears that you're talking about her. Now he hears that you're talking about him. And he's got enough things to worry about. Now he's got that on top of it. And now you have contributed to a surge in stress. Now you have added to his anxiety. We are called by Christ to put those things away. You're contributing to the things that they should put away. You're playing for the devil. You're not playing for Christ. And now because that person doesn't know who to trust anymore, because that person has a surge in anxiety, because they've done a bad thing that now everybody's talking about, but nobody cares enough to talk to them about. Nobody came to me. You knew I was doing this. You knew I was struggling with this, and you didn't come to me. You just let this happen, and you just talked about me. I feel myself pulling back. I feel myself withdrawing. You have prodded, nudged, poked, impelled that person to isolate themselves. And now you've made this sheep easy pickings for the lion who is the devil. You have prodded and poked and pushed and separated that lamb to be eaten by the devil. Who are you working for here? Who are you serving here? You've caused that one to isolate themselves where every coal eventually burns out on their own. You caused that with your gossip. And so what happens to a congregation where this is allowed to fester? Where these sort of uncomfortable sermons aren't preached? Where good hearts don't repent? What happens is a church that just splits up. There's one person in his immediate circle who cares and who knows and who hears the penance in that person and who says, I'm glad we worked through this. Shame on all those people for talking about it. It's hard to let that go, especially if those people don't repent. And so eventually they say, I just, I can't worship here anymore. We need to go somewhere else. And some other people hear about it because gossip spreads and causes more gossip to spread. And they say, well, I can't believe that was done. Shame on them. I can't believe that. I can't, I can't worship with people who do that. And suddenly it fractures. One becomes two, becomes four, becomes eight. And the church just, what happened to them? What happened over there? I know of a congregation that used to have 500 people. And now they have 85. 
What happened there? A bunch of things. One thing that happened was they were just talking about each other and what they didn't like about each other and whispering about each other and sticking their fingers in the pies of each other's sins and not minding their business and not being loving and Christ-like. And the devil just comes in and knows exactly where to push, exactly where to prod, and the, sh- the foundation of the church just shatters. Let's talk about the self-deceitfulness of the gossiper. Here are the lies that they tell themselves. Here's the lie I tell myself when I'm gossiping. Lie number one. This is just what I heard. I believe you. I don't need to hear it, though. That's what you heard. It should stop with you. In fact, before it even comes to me, you should have turned to the one from whom you heard it and say, I don't need to hear that. But you didn't. You came to me. So somebody's got to stop the chain. Somebody's got to be the one to say enough. I don't care what you heard. I don't need to know what you heard. It doesn't involve me. If it involves that person, they need to be hearing it. I don't. Well, I'm concerned about this person. No, you're a liar. If you were concerned about that person, you'd be talking to them, not talking to me. Did you know? No, and I don't want to. Do they know? Well, of course, they're the ones who did it. Then go to them and tell them about it. You know what you should be saying? Instead of to somebody else, you shouldn't be saying, you shouldn't be going to them saying, did you hear about this? You should be going to that person saying, I heard this about you. What do I need to say when somebody says something? Are you okay? Can I help you? And then give them the opening to say, I'm working through something privately. Thank you for coming to me. I'm going to handle it. If something was wrong, I've already repented of it, or it's, it's not true. Whatever. They'll give them the chance to tell you firsthand, and then boom, that's it. You don't spread it. Someone else may come to you because a gospel will talk to more than, more than one person. Someone else may come to you and say, I heard this. What did you hear? And you'll say, I heard that too. So I went to that person and asked them, maybe you should go ask them too. That's it. And it dies there. Because gossip just loves to feed with gossipers. Starve the oxygen out of it. Well, everybody's talking about this. You know why everybody's talking about it? Because you won't shut up about it. And if you wouldn't talk about it, and if the gossipers wouldn't talk about it, then nobody would be talking about it. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Of course everyone's talking about it. You started talking about it. I just need to vent. You know, you know what you need to do when you hear something and you want to vent? Instead of talking to someone else about it, tell Jesus, because he knows about it already. And he actually loves that person's soul and wants that person to come back to him. So either talk to that person about it or talk to Jesus about it. But don't go to some rando in the congregation and talk to them about it. They don't need to know about it. Tell it to Jesus. I know something. We're talking about this, this situation and someone brings up this person's name. Oh, oh, I know something about that person. I know something. I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to tease. I know something, and I'm going to sit back and wait because now I'm the center of the attention. And I'm going to wait for they say, what do you know? And I can say, oh, it's something really bad. It's really bad. Sure, it looks really bad because you can see the way I'm smiling about it, so it's really bad. You know who gets happy when a Christian is discouraged? You know who gets encouraged when a Christian is discouraged? The devil. You look like Satan when you're smiling to talk about someone else's problem. Because you can be the center of attention, which is not meek, which is not mild, which is not humble, and therefore which is not of Christ. But now you get the attention, and you'll exploit someone else to have that attention. You will take advantage of someone else to have that attention. You will tear down someone else so that you can be propped up artificially. Oh, you know something about somebody. It's not all that they seem. Maybe not. You're not all you seem either. There are skeletons in your closet that you're working through that only you and Christ know about. Do the same courtesy to others. Keep them there. It's true, isn't it? can't be bad if it's true. No, if it wasn't true, then you'd be a liar. You're not a liar. You're a gossiper. That's a different sin. It may be true, but it's not your business. There's a nuance there that no longer is appreciated. 
let's consider the ruin that will come to a gossiper. And then I'm almost done. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 20. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth who, in between 1 and 2 Corinthians, they had listened to some people slander him. The church had listened to some people running down Paul, gossiping about Paul, talking evil about Paul. Even in this case, he was innocent, running him down, and he got word of it. And he's not just a person, he's also an apostle, so he writes it from that perspective, and he says, basically, I'm afraid when I get there and come to see you, you're not going to like me when I come see you, because I'm going to have to come and scold you for what you're saying and doing. And I have a, I'm afraid that when I come to see you, I'm not going to like what I have to do when I get there and scold you and rebuke you for what you're doing. This is the ruin that will come to a gossiper. Paul puts himself in the position of Christ, because that's what an apostle is, an ambassador for Christ. Not just a spokesman, but a doer on behalf of. If you don't think an apostle has authority, look at Acts chapter 5, how they struck people dead for lying to them. What do you think they'll do if you start gossiping about them? And Paul says, I'm about to come to Corinth, and you're not going to like it when I get there, unless you repent of this. Hellfire is coming your way, is what he says. Romans 1, 28-32. Just consider the company that you're keeping. Paul talks about people who did not care about God, did not, did not like to retain God in their hearts. Instead, they wanted a reprobate mind, and God said, that's your business. You want to be a reprobate mind? So have it. And put yourself in the company of the unrighteous, the fornicators, the wicked, the covetous, the malicious, those who are envious, murderous, debaters, deceitful people, malignant people, whisperers. There's gossipers. Backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, people who come up with evil things to do and disobedient to parents. Oh, well, hold on now, wait a second. I don't hate God. You don't much love His children if you're talking about them. This is just the company that you're keeping. This is how God sees it. You don't think it's a big deal. You're not God. Those people without natural understanding, covenant breakers, bad affection, implacable, unmerciful, who know the judgment of God. In other words, I'm not breaking news here. If you gossip and don't repent, you're not going to be saved. Because it's the same sin as if you murdered. It's the same sin as if you blasphemed. It's the same sin as if you did any other things that was listed in the previous text. If it's unrepented, you're going to be condemned. And you know that. What does he say? Those who do such things are worthy of death. And the people who keep doing them despite knowing that, they're spitting in the face of the God who will send them to that eternal death. They not only do it, but they have pleasure in others who do the same. Don't let that be said of you. Recognize the wrong and run away from it. Finally, the Master says, I say to you, whatever you say that you ought not have said, it's going to come back to bite you if it's not repented of. Every wasted word, every frivolous word, every carelessly offered word that causes, as stray bullets do, damage to other people, every, my Bible says, idle word, you're going to give account of. That's not to say when you stand before Christ in judgment, you're going to hear a list of everything you said, because I assume you're going to repent. But if you don't repent, and you hold on to this casual desire to keep talking about other people, then I promise you, you will be judged by that standard of judgment. And all that you have done will be spread far and wide to the whole host of the judgment day scene. And everything that you said about everyone else, unfairly, unrighteously, unjustly, will also be spread to them. And then you will hear, depart from me. You will give account in the day of judgment. Avoid gossip. Run away from gossip. And if you are the gossiper, stop gossiping. Whose side are you on? The text that was read to us at the top of the hour, Luke 15.10, after a beautiful parable about the lost being found, 
Jesus says, in the same way there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels when a sinner comes to repentance. Whose side are you on? Because the angels and those in the presence of the angels, that being God Himself, are happy when a sinner has repented. But you're over here in the shadows talking about them behind their back. You're not on the side of the angels. You're on the side of the devils. So you better change teams before it's too late. I want to share a story and then I'm going to be done. I think I've said this before, but it's been a while. Our memories are short, so I'll say it again. Made-up story, not real, but about a lady who had gossiped. We've all done it. And she started to feel guilty about it. She had a dream one night. And in this dream, she was standing in the middle of a big empty field and the beautiful blue sky was above her with big white puffy clouds floating overhead. And from the clouds came this giant accusatory finger just pointing at her. And then she woke up, freaked out, feeling guilty. She goes to solicit some spiritual counsel from her preacher. And she says, you know, I've been doing some gossiping. I know I shouldn't have, but, you know, I don't think it's a big deal. But then I had this dream this finger pointing at me. Is that, is that the finger of God pointing at me ac- accusatorily? Should I, just, should I just stop gossiping? Or is it okay just to talk a little bit here and a little bit there? Like people try to make excuses for themselves. And the preacher said, yeah, you should stop gossiping. It's a sin. You've been slandering people who shouldn't be slandered. You've been talking about people who shouldn't be talked about. You've been doing things you shouldn't be doing. Yes, you should stop gossiping. Well, she says, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll make it right. What do I need to do to make it right? Well, you go to the person, you apologize. And then, after you've gone to the person, you've apologized, then here's what I want you to do, the preacher says. He said this happened as, after a dream. I want you to go get that pillow. I want you to take it up to the top of your building. She lived in an apartment building. Go all the way to the very roof of the apartment. Take a kitchen knife and slice the belly open of that pillow. Do that. Count to five Mississippis and then come back. So she does. She comes back. and She says, I did what you told me to do. And the preacher says, and what did you see? She says, well, I went up to the roof and I took the knife and I gutted the pillow just like you said after I made it right with that person. So it's okay now. But then I I did what you said. I took the pillow and I gutted the pillow with the knife. What did you see? And she said, feathers. Just feathers everywhere. Feathers everywhere. The preacher said, all right. Thank you for doing what you're supposed to do. Thank you for making it right with that person. Now I want you to go out and find every single feather that you sent into the wind and pick them all up and put them back in the sack of the pillowcase. And she scoffed as one would and said, you can't do that. Those feathers went everywhere. The wind carried them everywhere. Even if I could find some of them, I could never find all of them. Surely someone else has already picked up some of them. I couldn't find them all. And that is the sin of gossip. You say one thing about somebody else and you can go to that one about whom you were talking and you can make it right and you should and you must lest you be condemned. But you have opened a box a Pandora's box of backtalk and whispering that can now, now cannot be stopped by you. You can stop yourself, but now you've caused someone else to start talking and knowing about that person. And there's no undoing that. The best you can do is just make peace with the one that you've wronged and hope that the others that you've talked to about it will come to realize that you shouldn't have said it to them in the first place. And they'll stop too. Are you a gossiper? There are people in this congregation who have come forward acknowledging sin. There are people in this congregation who haven't. And you know about it. And what are you doing about it? Are you talking to them about it? Because you've heard something about them? Or are you talking to me about it? When I don't need to know it. Stop gossiping. Let us love one another. Let us not let angry words, let us not let whispering words 
from the tongue unbridled slip. Let us be mindful of other people's souls and let's care about the soul that we want to go to heaven with us. Now, if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. Maybe gossip is a sin. That's something you struggle with. I'll bet you you've done it. And if you're not a Christian, it's just one more on the ledger marked against you, tallied up to cause your soul to be condemned forevermore. But the blood of Christ is there. Salvation is offered, and it can wipe all of that away. The consequences of your actions may linger. The things that you've said and done will go like feathers in the wind. But you can wash your sin away, and then you can do what you can do, the best you can to make restitution to those whom you've wronged. And if you are a Christian and you've done the wronging, now repent. Get right. Because we want this congregation to be one that loves each other and not backbites each other. If we can help you this morning, let us know how. Right now, please come as we stand and sing.